Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome into the Seminole Rap Podcast. Your host, Brian Keller, and here with you with the guys, Juan Montalvo, John Marchant. Guys, um, last week I sat here and made a nice fuss about how I thought Vegas had no clue what they were talking about, which is always a great thing to go about. Calling this a 10-point spread, ridiculous. There's no way this offense from Clemson can, can put a 10-point difference between these two teams. Uh, I look great with three minutes to go, but boy, uh, what Scott Van Pelt's calling the bad beat of the year, it's 30 to 20. Clemson gets it with the super lateral into the end zone touchdown. The team looked competitive, uh, obviously had a chance to win with the lead down late in the game. Lots of positives, um, lots of negative reactions to the way this one ended up, but I, I feel like you have to be happy with the way they competed. Well, I think uh, you, you sort of hit the nail on the head there. There were a lot of negative reactions, which – Ironically to me, you know, having watched this Florida State team flail about against decent teams and especially deep and decent defenses over the last three, four years, I think it's a big positive that you're seeing Florida State go toe-to-toe with a pretty strong opponent. Obviously, Clemson is not what they were when they had generational quarterbacks like Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence. Um, they're, they're, you know, they're a five-and-three team. They're not what they, you know, they had three losses over the last two years, I believe. Um, they're not going to compete for a national championship year this year they're not a you know playoff team anything like that but you know i mean if you had told anybody at the beginning of the year that you know dj ukulele wasn't going to be very good and they still were able to compete with them you would have come away pretty happy with with that that result so you know what I think is encouraging is that we're at a point where we can complain about a game against Clemson Um, and not just because of their, their fall from grace, but because of the fact that Florida state really didn't play their best game against Clemson. You know, it wasn't their most complete game of the season or anything like that. Like we talked about last week, you saw a much more complete game the previous week, but you, you know, you, you saw a really complete game against UNC, but you really didn't see that as much against Clemson. And Florida State didn't play their A game against Clemson and really brought them down to the wire until the super lateral, super stupid uh, <laughs> play at the end there, which, like you said, uh, was legitimately a bad beat of the year. I mean, I had a friend yeah. who was lucky to get the uh, – a Matt Minnick, uh, the Florida State uh, basketball guy with Tomahawk Nation. He was lucky enough to get the spread early on Sunday and got it at 10.5. Lucky guy there. Yeah, not, not so lucky for many of us with nine and a half. Nine no. and a half is a painful number. And, and to, to your end, I mean, you're saying, you know, Florida State didn't play their best game. And, you know, I think a lot of – if you're Clemson or on the other side, you can say, well, the Clemson didn't have their best game. They had, you know, three missed field goals, and, and they lost a turnover battle, and they kept you in the game. But, I mean, if you'd have told I'm, – I'm John, and I'm sure you'd agree, if you'd have told me Jordan Travis is going to give you negative four rushing yards, which obviously sack numbers are involved in that, but – I mean, a negative four, and you had a, you had the ball with a chance to win at the end of the game. You, you'd have taken that all day. Oh yeah, uh, well, because first of all, for me, uh, it's always going to be twenty four twenty for as long as I live in my head. That that last lateral <laughs> never happened. Uh, so for me, <laughs> they played them to a one score game, and like you said, Travis had negative rushing yards. If you told me before the game, oh yeah, Florida State would be competitive; they'll have a chance to win it. They only lose by four. 
and Travis, they completely took his rushing ability out of the game. I would have told you that you were nuts. Um, but yeah, Clemson, I mean, they obviously, their offense is not very good. They, uh, they kept trying to give the ball away. Um, it's, it's almost like I thought Florida State, maybe a little bit like, like Juan said, they didn't play their A game. Maybe it was just a little bit uh, too much. Like that we weren't ready. You know, they know how to win. You know, they, like you said, they did a complete game against UMass, but um, I just couldn't quite kind of just get it done. They're not quite ready, I think, for that stage in that moment. Uh, but that's okay. Again, all we really wanted to see was progress, and we got it. Um, and, you know, again, even before the season, I, w- I still would have said that Florida State was four years away from being competitive with Clemson. And, again, I, I, you know, last – I think, uh, real quick, last um, three times we played, 2019, Clemson was up 20 nothing at halftime. 2018, they were up 20 nothing at halftime. And 2017, they were up, I believe, it was like 17 nothing at halftime. Uh, 73 to nothing combined score over the last three years. And this year it was 17 to 14 or 17, 13 at halftime. So um, there's a lot to be, to be happy about. Yeah. And what, John, what is it you always say about progress? It's not linear. Well, then, you know, you didn't get the Florida state a game this week and you had the previous two games against UMass and UNC. And so, you know, I think it's encouraging that without playing their best game, you know, they were able to go toe-to-toe with obviously not the best Clemson team we've seen for the last six, seven years or whatever it is, but, a, you know, a, a team that's still, you know, able to compete with Georgia, um, who was number one in tonight's college football rankings. Um, so, I mean, you're talking about a, a team that didn't play their best and still did a pretty good job against probably the best team in the ACC, or the second best team in the Atlantic or second or third best team really depends upon how you see NC state. But I mean, they really, um, you know, in that sense, it's sort of impressive that they were able to compete without being at their best and without playing complete game. And, you know, despite being a 10 point dog on the road in what is not, you know, an easy environment. Um, I've only been to Clemson one time, but I mean, you know, it, it is, you know, that is a football town. I mean, they are, there's nothing in the, in the city of, or in the town of Clemson other than Clemson football. It's not Tallahassee. It's not the state capital. It's not Athens. It's not, you know, it's not, you know, one of these sort of places. It is a, a football town and they, they, <laughs> they get up for games and they got up for that game and they played a good game. Clemson did that is. And Florida state, you know, they matched them. I mean, you, 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 you can, the fact that you can complain is good. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and I think that I think in this game, what you saw more of was the, those little, little issues we've talked about making a bigger difference against a, a better team in Clemson. When we talked about, you know, their defense was having some issues the last few weeks, Clemson's, Clemson's defense talking about maybe getting a slightly worse each week. I think when we saw the lack of wide receivers their inabilities to make the plays you needed here and there really start to pile up more when you're playing a team who's not going to let you turn those into mistakes. I mean, there was one play. Um, I want to say they blitz off the, off the left end, maybe with a DB. And, and you know, I, I guess it's Dillingham who calls the plays, or Norvell, whatever the combo is, but they had the right play dialed up. They called it. It's a screen to the left side. They get the pass out and, both receivers miss their blocks and they get blown up. I mean, it's those small things like that on the, on the third down. And I think it was maybe six or eight, if I had it right, but where they've got the right play, they make the completion, but you know, your two guys both 
just can't make the block to get to spring him free when you could have a ton of yards because it was called correctly. Those things are going to pile up versus Clemson, whereas they're probably not good against others. But it's another reminder, you know, you are building, and as John says, it's not linear. But again, to look back from where we started a few weeks ago, I mean, you got to be happy with where they're at. If that's a step down in the in the path of progress, that's a heck of a step down. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I, mean, I know people might get upset or whatever that we're talking about morality, you know, or, or moral wins or things like that. But, uh, you know, the, the other thing to Juan's point, too, is it wasn't just that Florida State didn't play their A game. I thought Clemson played much better than they have the last few weeks. Uh, I saw, you know, we saw the receivers drop five or six passes against Pitt. That that didn't happen at all. Um, Uyungle, you know, yeah, he had some horrible throws, but uh, he was sharp on some plays that matter. There was a 29-yard, I think, oh, uh, RPO slam that he completed. Didn't see him do anything like that the last last two or three weeks. So um, That was the best game we've seen him play since Georgia, maybe since the yeah. last year. Right, yeah. And so, you know, the fact that Florida State was so competitive and had the lead for the first time since I think it was 2017 or 2016 – two different times or three different times or whatever it was. Um, I mean, it's encouraging. How can, how can you not be encouraged? The, the progress and improvement in this team is obviously there. But again, at the same time, the, the talent difference between the two teams, especially Clemson's defense and, and FSU's offense, is just you can't, you can't ignore it. So, um, again, fantastic, you know, effort and, and job and everything. They, they, they were right there. They had an opportunity. And that, that's kind of what hurts. But you know, at the same time, uh, like hey, Juan, what is what, what was your line? Uh, lose big, lose a little, win a little, win a lot. Uh, yeah, this is the lose, 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 lose by a lot, lose by a little, win by a right. little, win by a lot. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So this is the lose a little year, and again, in my head, this is going to forever be twenty four twenty, and that's that. We're still right on schedule. Uh, it's frustrating, but you know, this is what the, we thought this team was going to be. So they are who we thought they were. That's right. A, a team that we're just not entirely sure what they're going to be, and mostly depending on who they play. Uh, we should give credit to to Will Shipley, twenty five carries, one twenty eight. Really was the the leader of that Clemson offense. Uh, you know, uh, I'm going to try it. D, DJ's QBR was thirty eight point seven. So yeah, I mean Shipley comes out and, and really carries that team. Juan, you were saying something? Yeah, uh, the Sh- I was basically saying Shipley's really good. Um, which yeah. sucked. <laughs> Well, that, right. That's the other thing. They, they got Shipley back a little bit last week, right? He'd been out for a few games. So it's kind of a little bit, you know, bad luck that he had one game last week against Pitt to sort of kind of come back into it. And then he's fully healthy for this week. Clemson had, I think, a couple of receivers that they had missed the last couple of weeks. Both came back for this week. I think Joseph Ngata was one of them, right? Maybe. Yep. I'm um, in another right. guy. So, um, yeah, it's just part of it, I think, was bad luck if Florida State had caught Clemson uh, a couple of weeks ago or maybe if it was in Tallahassee whole outcome might have been a little bit different, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. And, and I, I think this team will respond well going forward. Well, you had Justin Ross, I mean, who was a five-star at a, at a high school and he had his best game of the season he had the most yards. Um, he didn't have any touchdowns, but I mean, he had six catches for 85 yards. His previous best yardage was against NC state for 77 yards. I mean, he is a very good player, obviously, you know, I mean, his five-star talent belies that, but he was able to have a good game. I mean, they brought back Joseph Ngata, another five-star. Um, so they, they have plenty of receiving talent, talent against the Florida state uh, defensive 
backfield that includes primarily transfers starting at this point. I mean, you have Jimmy Robinson, um, you've got all, all those guys back there uh, and they were a little bit overmatched. I mean, which is fine. We didn't expect Florida state to be able to compete with a Clemson team that has multiple five-star receivers. Yeah. And to try and go maybe, maybe more granular on the game, two things I didn't want to talk about. I really like the, uh, the touchdown pass play to Jay Sean Corbin in the first quarter when they, uh, they kind of, I guess it wasn't really five wide. I think they had a tight end on the inside as well. Um, but you know, they went bunch to the top and basically just threw it to Corbin and said, you know, three on three, find the one yard line, find the goal line from the one. I, I really enjoyed that play. And uh, I mean, hats off to Jermaine Johnson. I mean, the offense gave you, I mean, in, in reality, nothing in the second half and, you needed a play and, you know, he gets out there and gets you the touchdown that gave you the lead. And you could turn around and say, well, then you got to get a stop. But I mean, in reality, I, I mean, that's a, that's a hell of a play to knock the ball free and, and pick it up and score a touchdown when your team was, when your offense really wasn't giving you anything. Is there anything you guys out of those two that you, you want to talk about there? Um, no, I mean, yeah, I, there's some, some pretty fun <laughs> play selections and stuff like that, that they did uh, and play design. I mean, um no I mean not really I I mean I thought that <laughs> both coordinators for Florida State did a did a pretty good job I mean there's always things I'm going to disagree with um like there's one where I think they ran inside zone on fourth when they, on fourth down when they went for it um fourth down got that inside zone got stuffed versus UMass I don't know what made you think you could run it against Clemson's front and get that I don't know why you didn't go power counter split zone anything other than inside zone but um Overall, I thought that, you know, they're, they're fine. What about you, Juan? That's pretty much the complaint. Like, I was about to say that exact same thing. I mean, you know, we complained that they they ran inside zone instead of instead of power or counter against UMass because it's not <laughs> not because of, you know, what they're able to do, but because of what they're really good at doing. Um, they right. ran power or counter extremely well. And I get that at a certain point, you just want to have you want to have your guys be able to match up and bully somebody. But you know, I mean, you, you you do sort of have to have that, you know, for lack of better, put it sled test. Those guys need to be able to put a guy on a sled and push him back, and they didn't do it. But you got to you got to try it. I mean, you know, maybe that wasn't the spot to try it. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with play call on that particular particular play. I mean, uh, you can go with power counter, and you probably got a better chance of success because when you do that versus in, inside zone, you're basically trying to push vertically. When you're doing power or counter, all of your linemen except for the pullers are going to be pushing horizontally effectively. So they're blocking down. It gives them a better chance because they've got a better angle at catching a guy. And so instead of giving, you know, relatively limited offensive line players who are very good at running the ball in power, counter, those sort of uh, schemes, all those, all those gap schemes, you gave them a straight-up vertical zone play and told them mash, and they didn't do it against a really good defensive line. And so, you know, sometimes you get beat. That simple. Cool. Anything else you guys want to talk about in this game? Or, or are we, we interested in moving on to the NC State this weekend? I mean, I, I just want to say, DJ Ukulele, he had, a, he had one of his better games this year. But, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm as, you know, a, a college football observer, I'm – pretty disappointed in what I've seen from that kid this year, even in this game. Yeah. I mean, he is not what I expected him to be 
I expected him to be a good, solid type college quarterback this year. You know, nothing compared to, of course, his two predecessors who went on to be number one overall picks. But I mean, he he had the talent and the pedigree and the uh, the ability to at least be similar in in output to someone like Taj Boyd, who they had. And I get that they've had some some offensive line struggles. They're not as bad on, on OL as 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 they've been made out to be, and they didn't have Shipley, but. Man, I mean, never for much of the year, but he, you know, he really is, he's not who we thought he was. <laughs> At least coming it's rough. Yeah. It's rough. Uh, I, I don't know about the football IQ that's there. I'm sure he's a smart kid and everything, but as in terms of playing the quarterback position, I'm just not sure that he really gets it at this point. Um, and, but there's other things too. Like there was that one play where he rolled out to his right. He legitimately tried to complete the throw on the run and the ball ended at 10 yards out of bounds. Um, and he wasn't throwing the ball away. He legitimately tried to complete that pass. So, so mechanics, the football IQ, you know, field vision, It's it, he's a, a big project. I, I don't know how long Clemson will let him keep trying to be the starter, to be quite honest with you. I don't know if they try to find somebody else, um, you know. But anyway, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, and, and it almost feels unfair with with the, the two predecessors that come to mind beforehand with Deshaun and, and Trevor Lawrence, but he's just – I mean, you'll expect a step down as you go from one to the other. I mean, you can look to Kelly Bryant, his, his little run before Trevor Lawrence took his job, where I would say Kelly Bryant, you guys probably know better than me, but I, I kind of thought Kelly Bryant even was was better than what we're seeing at this point. I just don't see how you continue with DJ maybe long-term. He just like you said, I mean, he's tro- throwing the ball 10 yards out of bounds. I mean, he's better than Cole Stout, <laughs> As if we're talking comes with quarterbacks, but I mean, it's a pretty low bar. I mean, he's not in the top six of ACC quarterbacks at this point. Um, you know, he's, he's not in the top five, not in the top six. I mean, he is, he's certainly a disappointment for Clemson. Um, and, you know, while I certainly don't want to see Clemson succeed at any level uh, and have any big wins or anything like that, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely disappointing to see, you know, as someone who watched him in high school, he's, He's a very he was a very good prospect that just has not panned out, unfortunately, for him. For them, not not for FSU, obviously. <laughs> well, one of the problems for FSU is the quarterback play around the rest of the ACC. And this one's from David Hale. Uh, ten power five quarterbacks, so out of all the five conferences, with twenty one hundred yards, twenty one touchdowns, ten of them. Six in the ACC, Kenny Pickett, Malik Cunningham, Sam Hartman. Brennan Armstrong, of course, Sam Howell, and NC State's Devin Leary. Uh, certainly sounds like a big step up this coming weekend. Florida State is a three-point underdog expected against NC State. Uh, I haven't had any idea what to make of NC State all season long in my pickup articles. I think I've gotten them wrong every single week. I buy in, they lose. I don't buy in, they crush somebody. But Devin Leary clearly has it or at least enough it to be a solid college quarterback, which is more than we can see from Clemson. How do you see them and, and Devin making an impact this weekend? Um, well, for me, I feel the same way that you do. I honestly have no idea what to expect from NC State. A few weeks ago, I would have told you that, oh, yeah, I think this is a definite loss for Florida State. At this point, though, I think that FSU can beat anyone and lose to anyone. It's another thing from one that I agree with. I appreciate that line. But – uh Um, I really, I honestly have no idea. You know what I'm most excited about Jermaine Johnson against that, that 
tackle kid they have, uh, Ekonwu, or what? I apologize for mispronouncing his name. What, what was that? Ekonwu. It's kind of like um, Okonkwo from Things Fall Apart, but with. Oh, okay, yeah. That guy is a monster. So uh, that's going to be a matchup I'm really excited about. But yeah, definitely how I'm kind of interested to see how Fuller attacks him, whether he, I know he wants to be aggressive. If he sends a house after O'Leary starts to get beat every time if he sends a blitz, or if he tries to do more of um, a different game plan, dropping as many guys out in coverage as he can, I don't know what he's going to do. Um, but I do think O'Leary's or Devin, uh, his Leary, sorry, uh, his play will kind of determine whether or not, obviously, if Clemson, I'm all over the map today, if whether or not <laughs> NC State is uh will crush this four state or not or if this is a game that again like four other games this year comes all the way down to the final play of the game i don't know what to make of nc state like you said i mean they've been up and down you know they they beat clemson you know they they beat bc when they were looking half decent they beat Louisville, who was looking pretty good and then you know they lose to mississippi state they lose to miami who has been in meltdown mode for last month I mean, to the point where Manny Diaz, he's – my Miami friends are basically like every time they, they notch up a win or a, a moral victory against Pitt, they're like, crap, we can't fire Manny Diaz. So, I mean, they've been up and down, uh, this NC State team. I don't know what to make of them. One thing I thought was interesting when I started looking at Devin Leary more this week is he's been in a very narrow band of, of, of the amount of yards thrown every week. He's been between 230 and 320 this entire season, which for eight games is kind of weird. Like you would think you'd get an outlier, you know, like a 400 yard game or 180 yard game, but he's managed to put together between 230 and 320 for all eight games, which is a pretty good consistent way to get to 2,100 yards, obviously. But uh, I'm not sure it's a good recipe when you're throwing between 24 and 49 times game. Um, you know, he's averaged anywhere from uh, – that number belies how inconsistent they've really been. I mean, you know, he threw for 303 yards against Mississippi State, but he also threw it 49 times. So, I mean, he averaged it – he averaged about six yards. And then, you know, he has a game like, you know, the um, the Miami game or the, the Louisville game where he averages almost eight or nine yards an attempt. So, I mean – He's been up or down, but like 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 Brian said, he's been one quarterback that's had 2,100 yards and, and 21 touchdowns, which is one of 10 in all of college football. So you can expect that he's probably going to put between 230 and 320 yards up um, and probably put, you know, multiple touchdowns out there. So I don't know what to expect from them. Devin Leary, uh, he's a very good college quarterback. Uh, they're a very good team overall on their best day, but I, I really don't know what to make of them. I mean, they are really inconsistent. I mean, it's, it's maddening. I mean, I, I, that's a team that I don't know how I would, <laughs> we've had plenty of heart attacks watching Florida State the last five, 10 years, I guess, basically since Jameis's final year, but that is a team that, is as uh, you know how we've talked about how Florida State this year can win or lose to any team. Well, shoot, NC State is really showing that. And it's weird because it feels like they can blow out any team or 
well, I don't want to say get blown out. I mean, but a 14 point loss to Mississippi state is, is still confusing. Uh, the, the thing with me with them is one, it seems like, you know, how many points they're going to put up in their, in their ACC games, they've got 27, 33, 30, 28. So it sounds to me, whether it takes them 50 attempts or, or 25, they're going to score 28 to 30. So you're, you're going to need points. It's what it, I mean, that's what they've done against every ACC defense they face so far. And then when it comes down to it is the is how much can you put on Leary himself? Can you make anyone else try and beat you? And and, and Juan, I'll give you the hat tap on this one. You sent me and thanks to David Hill as he continues to be the the, the uh, research Ooh. star of this pro of this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, that Leary's had multiple touchdown passes, zero interceptions in six straight games. Every quarterback with a longer streak in the playoff era was selected in the first round of the NFL draft. That list, Tua, Justin Fields, Mariota, Trevor Lawrence, and Baker. I mean, those that's a really strong list of college quarterbacks, and multiple touchdown passes, no picks, is going to win you college football games. But, but what I kept going back to all week, all year long, on the NC State predictions week in and week out was, oh, this week they lost their starting linebacker. Oh, they lost their senior leader safety. Oh, and now this offensive guard's out for the season. But it never seems to matter somehow. I, I don't know how you can – it seems like I was reading every week where this player was out, that player was out. Maybe if it was only for two or three weeks or whatever it was. But I was like, oh, well, without that person, that's going to be a problem for, for a, a defense. That's going to be a problem for their offensive line. It just hasn't mattered. And I'm still and, – and it feels weird to, to continue for the three of us to sit here and say, I just don't know what to make of NC State. But I really don't. I just look up and they're somewhere around the late teens, low twenties every week in the rankings, and that falls close to Florida State as a team that can seemingly beat anyone or lose to anyone. Well, I'm going to throw two questions at John before uh, before I get into what I'm thinking about about that. John, what do you think mm-hmm. NC State's home record is? Oh, this is if a good question because I. I haven't really paid that much attention to them as much as I'd like to this year. I would say their home record is five games at home. Five games. Let's go three and two. Five and zero. Oh. They're five and zero. Oh. Yep. And yeah. So they're one and two on the road. Um, so that's what's interesting to me is they've you know they beat Clemson at home. They beat uh, they 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 lost to Miami on the road. They. The their only win on the road is at Boston College on Snuggy Hill, or is that Wake? Well, anyway, uh, yeah, Snuggy Hill is <laughs> Wake. Um, but they beat you know Carter Finley is one of the more underrated stadiums in college football, in my opinion. Um, you know, Florida State has a rough record there going back to 1999. Uh, Chris Winky, we, we always play them there in in even years rather, so 1998. Chris Winky threw six interceptions his first full year as a starter there. And then obviously bounce back to have a very good college career and win the Heisman. But Florida State's always struggled with NC State in Carter Finley. Um, it's been a different story, you know, historically in Tallahassee. Um, it's a little bit different. You know, there's both are obviously very good stadiums for the home teams to play in. And uh, I'm very glad that Florida State is not getting this particular NC State team at home. Given that they're five and zero at home, and you know one and two on the road, and it's you know a four p.m. game in Doe Camel Stadium, uh, you're probably not going to see 
you know, the same night game uh, NC State at home that you would. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, like like Brian said, it sounds it's bad radio to say we really don't know what what to expect from that team, but they've been completely unpredictable. I mean, they've overcome personnel losses at home and they've overcome personnel losses on the road. And they look to be coming pretty close to full strength into Tallahassee and obviously with a very good college quarterback. But Florida State's come off a three-game stretch against UMass, UNC, and Clemson where they played two really good complete games against UNC and, and UMass, obviously. And, a, you know, let's say probably a B-plus, B or, or a B-type game against Clemson and, and still nearly won. So – and that was in, uh, and that was in at Clemson. So, you know, having this game in Tallahassee in the afternoon is probably a very good thing for Florida State. So, I think you know, if if I had to to go ahead and you know, gun to my head, and make a pick right now, I would probably pick Florida State against the spread. With uh, uh, Brian, I think you said that NC State's a three point favorite in, in yeah, it's Tallahassee. Three. Okay, yeah. I think I think that's something that Florida State can probably cover. Um, yeah, if, if I had three and a half, I'd probably take that. Um, especially at, you know, let's say minus one ten. It's not bad. Yeah, F- flip me that kicker and I'll take it. And and, and maybe to pile on quote unquote bad radio, but uh, I hate saying this because I think it's stupid and doesn't hold any water. But if you're into this type of thing, NC State does have the game for the division next week at Wake Forest. It, a potential look ahead game. If that's your type of thing, it's not for me, but you know, that is a thing that is, that is on the schedule next week for NC state. And that one is, that one's obviously a big game and they just came off of their homecoming game against Louisville in Carter Finley, which was a seven thirty PM night game that they won. So, I mean, this is, I hate to say this because four state should yeah. never look to these sort of things, but you know, it's, it's a bit of a sandwich look ahead, uh, look behind sort of game. And you know, Florida State has a good opportunity here to sort of, sort of take take a a NC State team that may be looking, maybe looking ahead to Wake Forest a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> what have we done? I know it yeah. hurts to say it, but it's the truth. I mean, you know, there there is some, you know, it's a soft factor, and I want to acknowledge that first and foremost. You know, we're not talking in terms of pure analytics or, you know, pure statistics here, obviously, you know, we're, we're not talking high level analysis, but it does matter. I mean, you know, these are 18 to 22 year old kids. They're going to, you know, play a little differently at home or, uh, or, you know, treat the, the eight and no opponent a little bit differently than they would the three and five opponent, especially after they have a big homecoming game at home. So, you know, take it. And and I know we just, we just giggled at Wake Forest, but that is the number nine Wake Forest football team, thanks to our college football playoff rankings that were just released a couple hours before we started recording this one. Um, which actually, if you you know take that and, and Notre Dame, who's number nine, and, and you really look at Florida State's schedule overall, I mean, I think if I told you before the year you'd have a loss to number nine, number ten, and Clemson, you'd be like, wow, we've got three top ten losses. That's not terrible. Obviously, the Jacksonville State games in the middle of that, but um, you know, maybe those those extra early season losses also don't look as bad. The three game win streak certainly helps. But now they had the final four games of the season: NC State, Miami, both at home, at Boston College. You close out 
at Florida. I don't want to do prediction radio or that sort of thing, but there is a whole lot of uh, intrigue in Gainesville right now. I don't know what's going on with Dan Mullen. I, I, I don't even know how to describe it. Are we allowed but, to talk uh, about it before the end of the season or? Uh, well, uh, we're not allowed to talk about it before <laughs> the end of the season. That's true. The same reason we're not allowed to rank uh, North Carolina in the top 10 because it causes Mac Brown to lose games. We all, I mean, I'm sure you guys are very well aware. Florida, Georgia, last, I believe last weekend, maybe the weekend before, 34-7 thumping this past weekend. Yeah, whenever it was. Florida got handled by, by, by Georgia. And in a matter of two minutes, the game went from like a three-point spread to like 21 points as Florida fumbled away like three touchdowns. Two minutes 34-7. seconds. What was it? It was two minutes and 16 seconds. And somehow, it, it, and I believe the game was, was three to nothing at that stage. Yep. And mm-hmm. yeah. uh, in, the, in, in the span of two minutes and 16 seconds, the game fr- went from three nothing Georgia to 24 nothing Georgia with, six, with like 15 seconds or something before half left. One of the more sure. impressive two-minute stretches of football I've ever seen or heard of. And, and, and you know, I, I get it. You can say, well, it's Georgia. That's the number one team in the country again. Sure. But Dan Mullen is – this Florida team is 4-7 and seven in their last 11. And then when asked about recruiting, the, the giant talent gap between Florida and Georgia, the, the rivals who play every year, he, he didn't really want to talk about it. He said, well, what's our problem? You know, what, I, I don't – what is our problem? Which – it kind of went back and forth. And then in his, his press conference this week was asked again about recruiting. And he said, you know, we talk about recruiting at the end of the season. That's nothing to talk about right now. We'll talk about that during recruiting time. Um, Mike Norvell got his own chance today to kind of to hit back on that. But and want to let you take it from there. But I, I mean, this it's almost you're seeing Florida collapse here. And, and Mike Norvell gets a, a free chance to just step up and say, hey, high school kids, I care. I care. Oh yeah, Mike Norvell was basically throwing the biggest softball that you could be given, you know, by, by the Florida State beat. Which, hey, you know, every now and then you you need to get a good quote from the coach that you're covering. Um, you know, I'm sure that you know when Brian was covering LSU, he would have loved to have a, a couple of nice quotes from Coach O. Uh, not very nice to get quotes from him anymore. Um, right. But so the, Mike, or, uh, sorry, Dan Mullen said basically the exchange went, you know. Uh, Coach Mullen, uh, you know, what, what, what about the recruiting gap? Um, how's everything going? Uh, how are things going with commitments? How is blah, 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 you know, along that, those lines. And he said something to the effect of, well, you know, we'll talk about recruiting season when it's time for recruiting, uh, when it's recruiting season. And uh, this is the middle of the football season. We're going to talk about football. Uh, basically, he was indicating that, you know, there were two, large decommitments or potential decommitments or commitments to Georgia, basically two large recruitments that were not going Florida's way. And he, instead of, instead of saying, Oh, well, we're constantly recruiting, blah, blah, blah. He basically made it sound like, Oh, but we, we're not going to recruit during the season, uh, which coaches think about recruiting all the time. I mean, if you're a college football coach, it doesn't matter what time of year it is. And this is one of the reasons I would never want to be a college football coach. If it is July 10th or July 4th, you have to be texting one of your commitments, one of those 17 or 16 year old kids, happy July 4th. I mean, that is how involved it is. If you have Travis Hunter, you know, number one player in the country for the 2022 class, 
you need to be texting or calling that kid every holiday, every, uh, you know, his birthday, every, you know, every day you need to be texting or calling the kid. And he basically sort of said, that doesn't matter. Yeah, it does. Uh, do you, do you not want to have a kid like Travis Hunter? Do you not want to have a Sam McCall? And so when he was asked about it uh, today, Mike Norvell basically said, well, recruiting is the lifeblood of a college football program, which is the truth. If you don't get a Travis Hunter, if you don't get a Jameis Winston, if you don't get a Mario Edwards or a Mark or uh, Eddie Goldman, you don't win championships. It's not just about the X's and O's. The Jimmys and Joes are what matter in college football. And you don't get a day off in recruiting. Because guess what? If you're not, <laughs> this is going to sound bad, but if you're not texting that kid's mom, happy July 4th or whatever, guess what? Some, some other college coaches and you're missing that opportunity to connect with that family. So there, is, or there are no days off. And Mike Norvell basically said it to that effect. You recruiting is life club college football. It's an opportunity to connect with young men and the softball that Mike Norvell was thrown today. He hit right over the plate. I mean, and it's something that, you know, they're going to, they've obviously already probably sent to every kid that they're recruiting where they're competing against Florida and every kid in Florida who they are going to be going for in the next three years that Florida doesn't care about recruiting you. Florida state does, you know, it's, it's just an easy win for Florida state. And at this point it makes you wonder, okay, is Dan Mullen, is he worried about NFL jobs or is he worried about his job? Uh, You know, is, are, are Urban Meyer and and uh, and 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 Mike Dor or and, and sorry uh, and Dan Mullen in the wrong places? Do they need to switch Jacksonville and Gainesville here? Um, you know, it's not going well for Urban in the NFL. It's not going well for 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 Dan right now in Gainesville. And you know, Dan Mullen's never been known as a as a big recruiting guy, but you have to be a Florida. It's part of why Chip Kelly didn't go there. Andy Staples said it that way too. I mean. Chip Kelly did not accept the Florida job partly because the recruiting in the Southeast is intensive. You have to be at it every single day. And Dan Mullen, he showed a little weakness. The moment you show weakness in recruiting is the moment everyone else passes. Yeah. And especially when, and you know, I've seen the articles this weekend and, and um, a former, uh, co- former colleague in the, on the LSU beat, uh, Ross Ellinger of now the Sports Illustrated, did all right up on that game where he looked at Georgia, who has even outpaced Alabama over the last and since Kirby Smart got to Athens in bringing in five stars. They've got the largest percentage of five stars in the country. I, I think it's 36% of the five stars on their rosters or their, yeah, their rosters over the last two years. I mean, when you're putting that together as, as Florida, you can't expect to catch up that way. And we sit here every week and talk about the need for George or for Florida state to pack the roster with I mean, even four stars to get to that point, but to where you can say, you don't really seem interested. I, I, I mean, obviously it's just, it's just a terrible PR move. And then they shut down public uh, press availability the rest of the week. But, and, and John, I want I want to look to you here and, and just get your thoughts on Mullen. And, and I mean, just for some overall perspective to let you know, we're, you know, we're not just hot taken and off the cuff here, but last season, sitting December 5th, which would normally be like SEC week championship weekend for, for Florida. The team's got one loss, which was to Texas A&M. And if, in case you forgot, that was on the road when most of the stadiums were empty. Texas A&M had basically a full crowd and Mullen complained that, uh, well, if we had a full crowd like that in the swamp, we'd win every, we'd win every week because they, they had a full crowd. 
December 12th, he lost to what might be one of the worst LSU teams in my lifetime. Um, thanks to one of his players throwing a shoe. They lose the SEC championship game to Alabama. And then they get trounced in by Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl. And so far this season, they've been terrible. I mean, they have they lost to a one I'll again call one of the worst LSU football teams I've seen in a long time. Alabama was a two-point loss. They got incredibly too much credit for. Georgia killed them, and then Kentucky handled them at home. It it I don't want to go on and slam Dan Mullen for being a clown. Um, but many of my friends who are journalists across the Southeast and covered college football teams across the, that area, we, we talk every week and, you know, they've covered a, a plenty of teams in SEC and some of the ACCs and lower conferences. But some of them say, I mean, what is Dan Mullen's resume without Dak Prescott, which kind of fell into his lap because Les Miles refused to, co- to say he could be a quarterback at LSU. He was, Dak was going to be a tight end at LSU and Dan came in and said, how about you be my quarterback? Dak Shoney's pretty good on his own. So how much of it is really Dan Mullen? Um, well, for me, well, look, the other thing, Mullen was Florida's offensive coordinator under, under Urban when they won. So sure. some people will still attribute Tim Tebow to him. Um, I think the thing with Mullen, you know, there's always coaches that have their their strengths. The few really good ones have, have an elite aspect to their coaching ability. Mullen, I think, is one of the best in the country at maximizing a player's ability um and that some of that comes with like developing that player as well so obviously that works at mississippi state you're not gonna out recruit you know alabama at mississippi state it's not gonna happen you don't need to um and at florida obviously had urban meyer to do the recruiting for him apparently um but you know like jimbo fisher we've talked about he's a fantastic play caller he knows exactly when to call a particular like a screen or a particular pass concept uh you got guys like lincoln riley at oklahoma they're just fantastic innovators, um, always pushing the, the spread offense forward. Uh, but Mullen, like I said, I think he knows exactly how to maximize his potential, and he's shown that at Florida. So they have talent. Um, he's found guys like uh, Kyle Trask, you know, you got Kyle uh, Pitts and, uh, and Kadarius Tony. So they've had some yep. skilled talent, but their starting uh, talent is not as good as Alabama or Georgia. And their depth isn't there because he it's like Chip Kelly. He's not interested or good at recruiting. He doesn't care. So for me, I feel like the writing is pretty much on the wall that his tenure at Florida is untenable. I think at some point a split has to happen because you, this is the other two. We've, we've talked about this before in the past um, that at Florida, it basically recruits itself. I think it recruits itself easier than Florida state does. You don't need to be as good of a recruiter at Florida as you do at Florida state. I, in my opinion, um, but you still have to put in the work and he's, I don't think putting in the work um, and you, you just can't do it. So to me, the bottom line is he is not serious about winning championships at Florida. He's not because if he was, he'd be recruiting at the, or at least attempting to recruit a championship level. He wouldn't be answering questions about recruiting the way that he answered them the other day. So um, for me, he's not serious about it. And if Florida is still serious about winning titles, then he can't be your head coach, regardless of how good of an actual coach he is at, at maximizing players. So um, th- for me, I think that he is more of a fit, like Juan said, for the NFL. I think he f- openly flirted with the NFL last year. He hasn't really made a secret about that. I'm not really sure how much the Florida boosters um, are happy about that, but um, that's my read on it. I, 
again, I, I respect him as a coach. I think he's a good coach, but uh, you can't play the game if you, you know, you don't, it's like Monopoly. You don't get to just play for half the board. You got to play the whole board. So that's where I'm at. Well, to go with the pop culture reference on it. I mean, you know, if you're, if you're playing squid game, you can't, you know, you can't sit out one of the games. It doesn't work that way. Um, you yeah, right. be good at red light, green light, and then not good at one of the other games. In, <laughs> in that game, obviously you die. Um, well, and I guess in coaching, you'd die too. I mean, you can't <laughs> sit, you, if you're not a good play caller, if you're not a good developer, if you're not a good recruiter, and you don't have people on your staff who will supplement your weakness areas to a point that it overcomes your weakness, you will not succeed at the major college football level. And I agree with you that Florida is an easier place to recruit to than Florida State for one simple reason, geography. I mean, right. 90% of the recruit, or well, let's say 80%, 80% of the recruits that Florida State brings in have to drive past Gainesville on I-75. So they can make a stop either on the way there or on the way back, you know, spend an afternoon or, or a night or two or three nights. I mean, we, we've seen that with um, – with a couple of linemen over the years, especially come from the Midwest, that you can you can you know bring as many talented players to Tallahassee as you want, but they've got to fly through Jacksonville or they got to fly through Orlando, or they got to fly through Atlanta, um, you know, to do it. I mean, they can fly into Tallahassee, but unless they're doing it on an official visit, it's you know it's going to cost two hundred bucks more. And guess what? With 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 their handlers and all that stuff, it's not the cheapest thing to do. And realistically um we've seen that it's not the easiest thing to do on a consistent basis so yeah Gainesville is an easier place to do than Tallahassee just based on geography and you know whether you know this is one place I may disagree with you a bit John I think he probably wants to be good at recruiting I don't know that he either consciously or subconsciously is able to be I think he just may you know may not even if he recognizes his faults he's not able to to fix them clearly in a way that will, um, you know, alleviate those concerns. So, yeah, I think long-term his tenure really is untenable. Um, and the same story goes for, for Manny Diaz at Miami. Um, you know, we'll move on to that in a minute, but I mean, I think you're seeing right now that Manny Diaz, you know, I, I joked about it earlier that my Miami fan friends are really unhappy with him sort of unhappy that he's keeping games close to a point where his tenure is going to be extended potentially. Um, so right now we're getting into a situation that sort of reminds me of, of Jimbo's first couple of years at Florida State. Um, you had coaching changes at both Miami and at Florida. You know, the, the, the Miami, had, they had the Nevin Shapiro scandal and then transitioned to Al Golden from Randy Shannon. You had Urban Meyer left Florida after uh, one year of Jimbo. And then you had, um, uh, you know, his buddy with the, the Jimbo's buddy with the beach house, Will Muschamp come in and do a nice job <laughs> for a couple of years. And then, you know, Will Muschamp happened. Um, but so you have, you have a Shark environment boy. in the state of Florida where obviously you're, when, when your two in-state rivals are down, the third is going to benefit. And so Florida state, strangely enough, appears to be finding itself in a place of stability and relative success to its rivals. Um, you know, Florida State right now looks like the most stable of the big three in the state. And obviously you're going to have to compete against Florida you're, or, uh, and Florida and Miami, but you're also going to have to compete against Georgia. You're going to have to compete against Alabama. You're going to have to compete against Clemson, LSU, everybody else who comes into, you know, Ohio State, everybody else who comes in and recruits in the state of Florida, which is everybody. 
But being the one in-state school that's got a little bit more stability and a little bit more, you know, panache, I mean, they're they're on an upswing right now. I mean, they're looking good, Florida State is. So, you know, they may not be at the level they were in Jibbo's first year and second year when they won 10 games in the first year. But they're at a point where they can capitalize on the momentum they have and the lack of momentum that their two main in-state rivals do don't have and hopefully push forward in recruiting. I mean, you've got, like like I said, Sam McCall, Travis Hunter. You've got those guys there. Uh, you, you, you've got a couple guys in the 2023 class that are exciting. They've got, they've got an opportunity here to really move forward. Um, right now, the 2022 class doesn't stand at a point where it's going to raise the floor of your talent base enough, you know, to really make you a competitive team in 2022, probably not in 2023. But if you can bring in a 50% or better type class in, in 2023 and do it again in 2024 and, and have some of those older guys come back, like John and I have talked about, you, you could have a stew going. I mean, you, you've caught some serious potential and upside for this team to go to, this program rather, not team. Right. That's the thing for me is, is all of Florida State's rivals right now are basically trending downward or are down, uh, Florida, Miami, and Clemson. So, you know, I feel like if Florida State and Florida are more even right now, like say Norvell had taken over when FSU was winning six to eight games, I think you might see much more of Norvell taking advantage. It's hard to recruit when your program's in a hole like the one, you know, like Florida State was when Norvell took over. Um, but he's trying to play catch-up. He's trying to even the playing field. And if Florida, you know, if Florida State's rivals uh, aren't – really that concerned or like you said, can't really fix um, their own issues over recruiting because uh, Miami's class isn't, isn't great either, obviously. So um, you do my, uh, Manny Diaz was saying this week, by the way, no, what did he say? Basically he was asked, uh, you know, there's been a lot of criticism in the local Miami area by high school coaches and the hanger on types, which would include the uncle Luke's of the world that were basically <laughs> saying, you know, I know that they shouldn't matter, but they do. Um, but basically saying to the, you know, to the effect that, you know, Miami is not recruiting Miami well enough. And so, you know, in a similar sort of vein to the Dan Mullen brushing off recruiting, uh, uh, he, Manny Diaz was asked about, you know, are you going to really look to the, to the transfer portal rather than local areas? Uh, Manny Diaz said something like, well, you know, we're always going to look at the transfer portal if there's good kids there, which frankly is the correct answer. I mean, that's the answer right. that every book should say. It's the answer that is correct. I mean, if you can get a De'Ara King, you're going to go get a De'Ara King. There is no De'Ara King in, you know, the quote unquote state of Miami that Howard Schnellenberger put, you know, on the map south of I-4 40 years ago. It just doesn't exist. Um, so, you know, Manny Diaz said the correct thing. The problem is that's not what people want to hear in that part of the world. And so all those kids in that, you know, in Dade County, Palm Beach County, Broward County, they're going to be having the coaches frustrated with Manny Diaz. And that's that many more opportunities they're going to get to get a ride up to Gainesville, to get a ride up to, to, to Tallahassee, to get a ride up to Tuscaloosa, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, their loss yeah, I mean is our game. Exactly right. I, and I agree with you to your point. I mean, there's definitely, it feels like there's a window opening for Florida State to, like you said, a two, three season, well, really three seasons, really kind of like make a, a rise, like kind of rebuild this program. Um, maybe even a little bit faster than what we thought. Hopefully, you know, we'll have to see how it shakes out. But you're right. You know, you get 
guys like Hunter or AJ Duffy or Sam McCall. And then other recruits start to take notice. And then you start filling in those, those 50% blue chip classes. And, and like you said, you're, you're now you're cooking. So um, yeah, I, I almost think that Miami did Manny Diaz winning against NC state. That was at 31 30, almost maybe perhaps saved his job uh, this season. Um, there's an article in the athletic just today that came out that said that now Miami wants to invest in football and care and they want to win. And that would include extending Manny Diaz. So it kind of seems like an oxymoron, but we'll have to see how that shakes out. Um, but, you know, I, I'm excited for Florida state's future. It's just, you know, there's, there's a real opportunity here. I get it, all these rivals all floundering and things like that, but, um, I hate that, you know, like progress isn't linear, but it also takes time. And, and that's kind of frustrating. The uh, one thing that I've, I've always said in, in business, at least, is, you know, sometimes there's light at the end of the tunnel and it's not a train. So, you know, while it may take a little bit of time to get out of the out of the out of the you know hole that Florida State put itself in over the last four years, basically, you know, in a few years, Florida State can be back to where they were. Um, they're not going to be there next year this year obviously uh they're not going to be there the following year realistically but you know two three years down the road uh you know with with if everything continues to fall their way which you know it's college football cyclical crazy things that have can and will happen but you know things are trending in the right direction for florida state and trending in the opposite direction for the key rivals which is really you know, what you need as a, that's part of the recipe for success. You know, you need a little bit of luck. Mm-hmm. Did I call Dan Mullen a clown? Yeah, you did. Okay. It was, it sure. it was beautiful. Well, yeah, you, well thanks, you need to make sure yeah. that that was recorded and on tape because it's important. It's um, well, he'll, he'll have plenty of chances <laughs> to make me feel like a fool. We've got, he's got South Carolina, Samford, Missouri, and then Florida State left on the schedule. Of course, that game. Those, those are clown games. Other than exactly, State. that's what I'm saying. He's going to look up, and they're going to have four losses into the, the year, and they're going to be ten and four or something. And they're be like, "Look at this idiot, Florida State. He doesn't know anything." Well, that, that's uh, whatever. We, we talked about this all the last couple of weeks. Is Florida State could win all of these games? They're not going to. They could lose all of them. Also, I hope that they don't. But they're capable of winning or losing any of the rest of these games on their schedule. They really are. So Nothing I, I don't know what in that sense. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, and we I just talked about Miami and Florida. Go ahead, John. No, I was just going to say, I, I hope they're not all losses. That's all. <laughs> well, they, <laughs> they have a chance. We just talked about it. You know, the door was open. Clemson's down. Miami's down. Florida's down. They got all three of them. Obviously, Clemson just beat them. But you have a chance to go and maybe step on their heads to, climb, to keep climbing to the top here. So they've got those chances coming up this month. So. I mean, first and foremost, it is NC State. Again, that is this Saturday, 4 p.m. on the ACC Network. John, Brian, Juan, that's a wrap. My line. Do I steal your line? Yeah, again. Oh. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.